0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Very excited to be here. We have a very special guest, um, someone actually I met through YPO, the Young Entrepreneur Organization, we're both part of. David O'Hara, how's it going?
1: Uh, It's going well. Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Yes, thank you for being here. Uh, I always love connecting with other YPOers and kind of understanding their story and their background and what they're working on. So, I would love to hear. Your background and how you got to where you are now.
1: Sure, yeah, I really enjoy being part of YPO. It is a really special community, and definitely enjoy connecting with other folks. So for me, my story, our company, improving. We started back in 2007. We're a modern digital services company, so we kind of do the spectrum of IT consulting, as well as training, and then coaching, and uh, you know some some of those process type things but we started the company in 2007 here in Dallas and have grown dramatically. We now sit just shy of 2000 people, we're about 14 15 offices now across North America and it's been quite the quite the ride growing a company from the ground up.
0: Wow, that is very impressive from 0 from 1 to 2000 people. So are most of them, are are they in the U.S., or spread across the world, or how does your team typically work?
1: Yeah, so we have, I think it's about 400, maybe a few more in our Canadian operations, about 500 in our Mexico operations, and then the balance is here in the U.S. across a few geographies.
0: Okay, and international offices as well?
1: Those are currently, we do have a small office in the UK because of one of our customers, but that's where we're looking to expand. All of our offices outside of Dallas have been through acquisition, but we are looking to Asia and ultimately Europe to be our next expansion targets in, in these coming years.
0: Um, and you mentioned customers. So speaking of which, what kind of customers or projects do you typically work on?
1: Yeah, we have really the kind of a host of customers in terms of the large enterprises, big name brands that you definitely have heard of middle market, the SMB as well. And then even startups that we've helped them take their pitch deck and turn it into a product so that they could, could launch off. I like to tell people you've used software we've built. You just wouldn't necessarily know it was us. So if you've used a kiosk at brand like, American Airlines or Wendy's, that was us that built that for them. If you go to the parks, Six Flags, their experience, everything from the biometrics to get in for season pass holders to the point of sales inside of all of those parks globally. Those are systems that we've built. And then, like I said, some startups that you've never heard of, but hopefully you do someday.
0: Any of those startups we might know now?
1: Um uh, Probably not. They're still kind of in those early stages. If you're heavy into the aviation business, there's a group called Zulu Airlines that he literally showed up in our office with a PowerPoint deck and was like, this is what I want to do. And I want to compete with Sabre, which I mean, that's kind of a David and Goliath type ask. And it was like, all right, well, let's do that. And so we helped him build his platform and ultimately helped him build his team and he's been growing that business over the last about six or seven years and not necessarily a major player in that space, but definitely an emerging player in that space.
0: Right. And tell us a little bit of some of the recent wins that you have. I mean, you guys have obviously grown a lot you know, over the last, what is that, 15 years or so from zero to 2000. But what what else would you share with uh, the guests?
1: Well, there's always the, the technology side of things that are interesting in terms of, you know, there's track and trace, a project that we did for a logistics company, and being able to help them automate more of their moving around inside of the warehouses, knowing where things are, knowing inventories, those types of things, where you get to do some cool software, but also interface with hardware. You know, as software guys, we tend to get excited when we get to do real world things like IOT and connect to devices. But I think that what I would claim as our biggest wins have been our recent acquisitions. So we acquired a company in Toronto just last month, and another one that was actually here in Dallas at the beginning of the year. And finding other organizations that have similar values, similar ideas, and about business and culture, and then being able to to join forces with them really has been a big win for us. It's, as I mentioned before, it's how we have grown to the size that we have grown to. And we've done it in a very integrative fashion, incorporating our values, things like conscious capitalism, which is very important to us. And and then just the cultural programs that we've built over the years, because it it makes our company better because it makes our people better, and you know, as as you grow the business, as you grow the people, so grows the business. So that's really important for us, and a big win.
0: Right, that's one of the things I I see often with mergers and acquisitions. Right, like know who you are before you start the acquisition. It's kind of like the dating right process. Like know who you are before you start dating, because because then you're gonna kind of want those values right to be to have you know exist in the other in the acquisitions that you're you're. That you're acquiring, so I, I can totally understand that. You know, first step is like what, what's important to you as the organization, and then what are the what's important to the organizations that you're acquiring. But um, do you want to share a little bit about more about the acquisition strategy and and what you're and and the maybe step, perhaps that exit strategy, right? Because you're acquiring all these companies, and then what are you are you looking to sell the organization eventually?
1: Yeah, So the the strategy for us really has been. Looking at that culture, looking at when we started the company, we started it and, and really kind of founded it on these values because we felt like it was the right thing to do and we wanted to make it a great place to work. And and along the way, what we found is it aligned with these tenets of conscious capitalism. But also we've won the best place to work award. So we've kind of used that as our litmus test you know are we building a great culture well if our people all say we've built a great culture then yeah you've done a good job and being successful the capitalism side we've been on the inc 5000 fastest growing list for 13 years and so yeah i can say we've been successful in being conscious and capitalistic as we've done this and so keeping that in mind as we're looking at organizations are they in a geography you know, that has enough business to support what it is we're trying to grow towards? Do they have a best place to work? And what might some of the companies that are on that list that align with us? We'll look at that. We look at, you know, the the various factors like cost of living, you know, universities and education and, and those types of things to help us figure out, is there a likelihood that we're going to have a connection in terms of, our culture being like their culture. And then quite frankly, a lot of our acquisitions have been referrals. You know, that people always talk about the best person to bring you a customer is somebody that already knows you. Right. And so they know, hey, you guys sound very similar or or think about things in a similar way. And so that's really been kind of the secret to our strategy of the acquisitions that we've done. And yeah, we've continued to grow and and you know, we took on a private equity partner, we had kept it all self funded early, but took on a private equity partner here in Dallas. And they've been fantastic and allowed us to continue to grow and continue to live into one of our five commitments. So we have five commitments to our employees as a company that we believe makes it a great place to work. And one of those is share in the success and accomplishments of the company. And that sharing can mean, you know, monetarily in terms of benefits 401k and you know profit share and those types of things but it also means you know share in terms of giving credit for best place to work for the awards that we win when we think about that sharing in the success of the company at a grander scale like it would be great if everybody could be an owner in this company and so that's really kind of what we are leaning towards and tilting towards right now is how is it that we make this such a big thing that everybody can participate in it
0: yes that's i actually haven't heard that one very often but sometimes i do where the basically the owners of the company sell the company back to the employees which i think is a great you know way of, of sharing you know all of the successes uh, so that's that love that idea uh, is that something you're looking to implement over the next few years or
1: well it's something that we've been doing even since the beginning we were very, uh, I guess, generous with the equity in the company early on, and have continued to do that as we've moved along. Right now, I think we sit at about 150 owners in the company, direct owners, and so we want it to be everybody. You know, whether that's selling it back, going public. You know, there's a couple of different options right. that we can explore to say how is it that we can make it where everybody gets to participate in the success of the company?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, the more that employees can feel like they're contributing, then you know, that's like the, the more they're likely to stay and, you know, retain, and have you retain them as employees because then everybody kind of is happy and gets a piece of the so the action and a piece of the pie. Right. That's yeah. kind
1: of- You feel like you're doing something meaningful, right. And, and there's benefit. It's, of that tying them to the bigger purpose, like what is that purpose? And at improving, we talk about our purpose really breaks into two pieces when we think about it. It's it's our ambition, which is to change the perception of the IT profession. And we do that by creating envir- environments of trust. So we focus on trust. If you go to our website, the first thing you see is our saying, trust changes everything. And a lot of people think, man, that's kind of weird. Like an IT company talking about trust. Whoa, what are you guys doing? But it's it's why we believe there is so many challenges you see in our industry. When you talk up to business about IT, they say, Oh, IT is, you know, they're always late. They're over budget. They never give us what we want. Right. And if you ask IT about business, they never know what they want. They change their mind all the time. They promise stuff we haven't built or can't build. Like there's this. Rift between business and IT, and we don't feel like it needs to be that way. There was actually a study done of CEOs and asked for their impression of the different departments. IT had the second worst impression with CEOs, right behind salespeople and okay. <laughs> sales and IT. So I'm kind of taking double hits here, but the lawyers were third. Like, we lost out to lawyers. But that's how the CEOs view IT, and and we don't think it needs to be that way. We think we can change that, and it's kind of a scary ambition, but what we're, that's what we're tilting towards. That's what we're trying for.
0: So maybe you're, the name of the company should be trusting instead of improving.
1: <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that domain's available.
0: Probably not. Well, maybe trusting, but not, not. .com. Speaking of which, how did, how did the name come about improving? What is that story there?
1: So there was actually a small group here in Dallas that had started the company initially and it was improving enterprises and they were all about training and a little bit of consulting. And then there was a secondary group called the Blue Ocean Group. I don't know if you're familiar with the Blue Ocean Strategy book. Yep. Yeah. So, so, you know, playing off of that, the these two groups got together and realized, hey, I think Blue Ocean Group had come from a previous consulting company, had formed a previous consulting company and sold it. If we get together, I think we'll be more successful. And so they merged. Blue Ocean Group actually bought Improving, but it was like, man, that name is just way better than Blue Ocean Group. And so we took on the name Improving. And at the time, it was Improving Enterprises. So you can imagine how long my email was. And then we managed to get the Improving Domain few years into it and uh, yeah so we've been improving ever since
0: improving and trusting ever since um so you mentioned acquisitions um are there any interesting projects you can share that from the acquisitions or just your current company that you're working you know AI is a big topic these days
1: <laughs> AI is a big topic and I think everybody's kind of looking at you know, how does this play how does this work i know for me personally i've had chat gpt open every day for the last number of months just trying to feed it stuff and figure it out and play with prompts like how do i get what it is i'm looking to get out of it we have a couple of customers that are looking at some of the the ways that you can put this in and have it tie in so for example if you're an e-commerce retailer so i put in you know a product picture and let it do a, a description for me, build out the description and I can go in and, and craft it a little bit, but if they can do a decent job of coming up with that content as a, as a starting point, there's a lot of value in that and just accelerating people. I know that for us, we're seeing a lot more playing with things like Copilot. So is there the ability to, code gen and, and make me a little bit more effective in terms of, a little more efficient, actually, in terms of how quickly I can get some of the, the recurring tasks done. Oftentimes when we're coding, there's a lot of it that can be boilerplated and then I can customize around that. And those types of accelerations just really help me get to done sooner.
0: Right. Which kind of brings me to another point that I was going to ask about Very interesting projects that you're working on. Where do you think is the industry going and how do you think that's going to, how is AI and all of the chat GPT or AI or whatever, you know, all of it going to be changing your industry in the next, let's say, five to 10 years?
1: Yeah, five to 10 years is probably hard to say, you know, when I remember, because gray enough. I remember when the web first showed up and, you know, we were trying to figure out like, how is this going to work in business? And how are we going to do anything? And if you put your credit card on a website in 1995, you were a moron. And if you don't have your credit card tied to your Amazon account now, you're a moron. moron. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, those paradigms are going to shift. I don't know that we've found all the business case for where is this working and really going to be the huge accelerator. We're seeing incrementals right now, accelerating development time, you know, automation of content generation or streamlining of process. If you look at some of the things like baby AGI and some of those little bots that we can put together that are effectively Python scripts tied in to the APIs to say, here's my list of tasks, go do these 15 things. Like we're finding these small optimizations, but I don't think we've found the big move that's gonna happen that really will show up in business. And so I'm still kind of looking around for that. Maybe I'm missing it, but I haven't seen anything yet that I think is really gonna fundamentally shift us in the next five
0: years. Interesting, yeah, everyone has their has their response. I know. so one of my companies is a digital marketing agency, And I think in that industry, we're going to see a lot of change in the next three to five years. I mean, we're already testing out Chat GPT just for copy creation for like landing pages or blogs, sure. right? So I mean that's an easy an easy way to get started playing around with Chat GPT, but I envision that it's going to be Video. like I actually had someone on my podcast maybe a few months ago who created a an AI video creation platform. So like you feed it some prompts, you feed it some imagery and it creates like marketing videos for you. I mean, early stage, but like, you know, this is this is, I think where the direction exactly. is going.
1: <laughs> well, and I, you've seen some of those, right? Where like the guy has like three arms and extra fingers and it's not quite there yet. But, but
0: yeah, but, yeah. but you know, good. it's like, you know you, you start you got to start somewhere right in order to to move along you know and there's imagery imagery creation already that i've already been playing around with on my phone there's like apps where you can say like i want you know a horse on a moon on the moon and you know it gives you like 10 different variations of the of a horse on the moon
1: <laughs> yeah i would say and and E is kind of the crayons version the mid journey definitely has got a lot uh a lot higher production quality that I've seen come out of that. I've used some of those for generating imagery for like presentations, right? So I can, I can, you know, kind of outline a presentation, throw, throw that into mid journey and have it generate me some, some imagery to go along with my slides. That's definitely been a, been a help and been an acceleration, but I think that's where we're, we're starting to see, uh, that experimenting their way forward. I know folks that are doing content creation, like if, if you read blog posts, like they sound like ChatGPT. GPT, like you can hear it in the voice a little bit unless somebody's tuned it. And so there's, there's definitely some learning ahead of us.
0: Sure. I think chat GPT is still also a little early. I think creating, you know, I think we've been doing what we've been doing in the marketing agency is like creating kind of the first iteration off of ChatGPT and then having our editors review it and and make, you know, copy edit it. So it's not like just off of ChatGPT, like copy and paste. But again, this is all like very new, right? ChatGPT has only been around for like six months, maybe eight months or something. So, So yeah, I think there's going to be still kind of like, you know, bumps in the road in the first few years. But I think a revolution, I think in your industry, like, Yes, so much more in terms of, you know, code, right, iterating code, you don't have to necessarily do that all by hand or manually, like, so there's going to be, I think, a lot of AI, I think in the future, there's going to be a lot of AI when it comes to like, actually, not having a technical person write code, like I can write code, you know, maybe in five to 10 years, not write code, but like create something that I want without having no code.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, it definitely is, is going to be Interesting to see. It should it should augment us, not necessarily replace us. And so where that balance comes from, where I can augment into an area that I don't necessarily know without necessarily representing it as if I did know it. I know for a professional services company, this is one of the things that, that We've got a pretty close eye on in terms of the the recruiting and hiring process. So because this can represent, you know, an augmentation of something you don't necessarily know, well, if I'm doing an interview and somebody's sitting next to me, typing in the questions as you're asking them and I'm reading them off the prompts, you don't know that I have no idea what I'm talking about. And if I'm going to show up and represent myself as a technologist that knows all these things, like yikes, that could be bad. And so how is it that you go about countering some of that? How is it that you, you know, be sensitive to whether or not this person actually knows the things that they're representing because they're augmenting their knowledge with uh, with AI like this?
0: Yeah, I mean, right, it's using AI for good and evil. <laughs> right. I think there's, you know, there's going to be some, some good actors i think most are going to be good actors but i think there will have to be some bad actors
1: yeah well and and it's uh, you know it might sound kind of silly but it's it's interesting to think about okay how could this be used on the other in the other way and what are the things we need to be aware of or be thoughtful of you know i know a lot of people are talking about you know we need to slow down on ai or maybe stop and some of those and and i understand the caution but i think it's also an opportunity to be creative and think about well Okay, how could this show up and how might we and and play play some of that game in terms of what, you know, what it is we might be looking at or need to do to to help us navigate our way through all these changes?
0: I understand the caution, too, but I don't think we can stop technology this is it's kind of like pulling in the reins on a like a galloping horse like you're just gonna get hurt if you try to do that i think it's almost nearly impossible at this point like a pandora's box has been opened
1: (laughs) you're you're either going to get hurt or you're going to get left behind yeah and neither one of those is good
0: yep so pretty much the same right getting hurt getting left behind (laughs) getting left behind is getting hurt in a way i guess (laughs) so i i think that we open Pandora's box. I don't think that, you know, it's really opening up Pandora's box. It's just like, that's the natural progression and the natural trajectory, right? Like you couldn't stop the internet from coming out, right? It's not like you can shove it into a box or, you know, into a bag and be like, no, 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 we're, you know, like it happened. And it's the same thing with AI. It's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of it is that fear of unknown. We don't know what it's going to do or where where it's going to be. It's just, but it is, and it's here.
0: So we've seen too many dystopian matrix movies and we all think it's going to be like the machines are going to take over you know bots are taking over and we're you know we're going to be potato potatoes you know creating energy for for the for the bots future i I think that's kind of a dystopian view of things i think
1: plug us in and use us as batteries
0: yeah exactly i think that there's probably better uses of bat like find other ways to create batteries (laughs) like and more efficient i think. we're not that efficient at creating energy. <laughs> at least I don't think so. Yep. So, well, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up?
1: Um, no, not that I can think of. I, I guess the last of...
0: question is, how can our audiences get in touch with you or your organization?
1: So you can find us on the web at improving.com. You can find us kind of all over social with Life at Improving. That's our hashtag that we tend to post a lot of our events around. We do a lot of cultural things. So I mentioned culture, whether it's employee events out in the community, kind of serving that larger stakeholder model. And so you can find us there and look forward to to meeting you.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for being on the, on the show. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.